You're listening to the Candid Conversations podcast, where we share with you the adventures of small business, the community, and folks in communications. This episode is sponsored by the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, which is taking place April 3rd to 9th, 2017, here in Winnipeg. Get your tickets at winnipegcomedyfestival.com. We are your hosts, digital marketer Dan Nicholson and small business strategist Sagan Morrow. This is episode number one. I'm Sagan. Hello. <laughs> I'm a small business strategist and a blogger at saganmorrow.com. I teach other people how to start their own businesses, so I get to have a lot of fun connecting with people and sharing stories. And one of the one of the things that was so exciting to me about having this podcast was this whole concept of the sharing stories and getting people to talk about the real raw conversations about, mm-hmm. you know, what do we actually face? In business it's not all sunshine and roses and there can be very real struggles and there's some amazing wonderful wins that happen that you know a lot of a lot of the realities of entrepreneurship we just don't really hear about so that really drew me because I do so much work with so many different types of solopreneurs and I share in my weekly email to my readers I always share a behind-the-scenes look at what I've been up to that past week and just sharing it with people and helping them understand how they can take what I've learned and apply it to their own business. So this whole concept of kind of taking that, but in a much more collaborative fashion here on the podcast and really being able to share all kinds of different stories from all different backgrounds is so cool. And the struggle's real with a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, that's the, the full time. The struggle is real, yeah. absolutely. Like I, I feel like I've gotten a little more cushier because I work at a full time job and I only have a side business, right? But well, and I think you know, to me, that's the really fascinating thing is that everyone has their own issues and limitations and obstacles that they face. So, mm. yes, I mean, on the one hand, it's nice to have a full time job so that you don't have to rely on your side hustle. At the same time, the amount of time that you can actually spend working on your side hustle is very limited. And so everyone has, Absolutely. right? Everyone has different sort of issues and very unique obstacles. And it's very important to recognize that everyone has their own unique issues and that they're facing. That's true. Um, yeah, just from my standpoint, like um, needed to get a website up. Like I'm working with a local graphic designer here. His name's Chris. And uh, he's got his own business too, which I actually should reach out to him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, SJA Clothing. Um, a little, little shout out to him there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's helped me with it, with my logo and my business cards and stuff. And I mean, we're working in trade, which is fantastic. And we both have full time jobs. To take the logo design and the graphic design off my plate, which I mean, it's something I can do. But that's that's time that I need. Yes. You know, if I'm going to go out and sell or if I'm going to do something else. And to me, the website would be a big one. You know, if I get the branding already together, then that domino falls. Mm-hmm. And a website basically is, you know, it's a week's worth of work. <laughs> just just in general, if I'm going to be blunt about it, just to be very quick and put something up. Mm-hmm. And that's knowing what you're actually doing as well. Exactly. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, it'll take... 10 times as long yeah well exactly and it probably won't be a very good one yet. well i mean that's that's i think to me that that makes sense because you want to get rid of the stuff that is going to be uh time consuming or the you. stuff that you don't enjoy or the stuff that you really have no idea what to do absolutely yes. you can put together a design mm. but i'm not great at it so why not enlist my friend or i guess at the time it was a colleague because i worked with him at sherpa 
enlist him who has a side business and in trade I'll help him with his stuff you know stuff that I'm good at website or you know ads or whatever that is I love that yeah so on my side on my own business uh, where I'm at today I mean I do have my own website which is dannicholson.ca and I'm starting to do some blog posts and uh, trying to get back into it I've got a few clients I'm not actively selling uh, although I did reach out to one agency in the city and I ended up asking uh, if they needed any help or uh, any kind of contract over, I don't know, I wouldn't say overload, but uh, if this agency needed more help in the areas that they needed. So like any small business, the same thing, you know, they're taking on too much work and they can't promise all their clients. So they give off the little crappier assignments to me, for example, I mean, ideally, but uh, ended up reaching out to them and they said, uh, yeah, they needed help in a certain area. So, I mean, I was able to, I haven't secured it yet, but still conversations. And to me, that's a success. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a huge success. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, we got our first, uh, our guest coming in, uh, Monica Dixon. Dirksen. Dirksen. We do. And uh, what's what's her business actually? I don't. I know she's event management, but I don't really know her business that well. Well, you're gonna learn all about it in just a, just a moment. But yes, she has a really really fantastic event planning business here in Winnipeg. She has some amazing projects that she takes on. It's hmm. pretty neat. Mm -hmm. And without further ado, let's introduce Monica and the candid conversation. Um. So Afero Events uh, started about. I guess uh, five years ago now um, and I it started sort of with the desire to do fun events in Winnipeg <laughs> and that was pretty much all I had thought about before um, but I didn't want to do things like weddings or corporate events or uh, anything sort of of that vein I wanted to work with not-for-profits so I wanted to do creative things that would help um, not-for-profits however they needed to expand or if not specifically not-for-profits, cool things to make people think about Winnipeg in a better way, because mm. I have so much fun living in Winnipeg, and it bugs me when people say there's nothing fun to do. So I sort of felt like, okay, well, I want to make sure that I can help that. Um, and so it really just started because I was a volunteer. I volunteered at a bunch of fun events, and it got to a point where I was like, you know what, this is, I'm, I'm doing a lot of fun things. I should just get paid for it. <laughs> The job I was Smart. at at the time, I had sort of outgrown, so I was already looking for what was next. Mm -hmm. um, and so then at, at that time, I applied for a position that ended up being, or a contract that was big enough to be about 40% of a salary. Mm -hmm. And so I figured that was sort of a safe number to jump off. At least I could pay rent and, yeah. you know, the minimums. Um, and so, yeah, and so I took the chance and I quit my job and I took that contract. And within a month, I had full-time contracts with, that's awesome. Between, I think at the time there was three or four of them. Yeah, yeah so I got I got really lucky. Um, at the time, I was just really in, I was everywhere. I was out and about, and so people just kept seeing me, and I think that helped. So, yeah, for my launch, uh, it, it went really fast and really easy, which is not, I guess, everybody's story in entrepreneurship. Um, so it gave me a lot of confidence early on, and it also gave me a lot of exposure because when you're doing stuff, you're you people know you more right so the more you do the more they see the more you get offered and so it yeah. kind of just felt like this cycle and I just kept you know adding stuff to my to my resume and so yeah that's it sort of happened unintentionally I never really wanted to be an entrepreneur 
Um, but just the way things sort of kept unfolding, I just kept getting deeper and deeper. And yeah. and it got to the point where I not only do I love what I do, but I can't imagine doing anything else, even though I had never imagined doing this. So it was kind of a fun evolution, but not maybe as an intentional as some people's stories. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> so yeah. I like that you also decided, like you did this at 40% of yeah. a full-time sale. Yeah. And I think that that's such a big thing because so many people end up starting their businesses and they're, but they're like, they don't even want to quit their day jobs because mm -hmm. they're like, no, I need to like make a full-time income. I think that that's a big problem and like a huge stumbling block because you don't need to, like, like it's yeah. always going to be a gamble. So why not just go for it? Always risk, always yeah. a lot of risk. And it depends how risk tolerant you are as a person, right? Yes. Like some people 40% wouldn't have been enough. Um, and, and I, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong or if that, you know, if different industries have a right or wrong. But for me, that felt right. I knew that with that number of income that I could at least, you know, even if I'm living off credit cards for a little while, I knew that was enough to sort of keep me going until the next contract. So, so yeah, you're right. Like, it's a hard decision of when that leap happens. And if you're not as risk tolerant as someone like me, yeah, you may want to, like, get a few more contracts going. Um, but I think that's a lot of the pers your personal situation, not only your personal tolerance, but also like, is there a second income in your household? Or, yes. you know, is there any cushion that you've got built up? Or like, there's a lot of factors involved. Uh, for me, that's 40% was what it was at. Mentally, that's when I could make the leap. Um, but it, it does, yeah, like, and it's, and it's a time investment. So if you can't commit to a certain degree, then at what point, at what point do you just say like, yeah, you got to quit your job so you can put time into it, right? Yeah, I think I think different industries have different ratios yeah. or um, whatever. But my my business also has very it has very little overhead. Like there's zero cost involved. I don't own stuff. I don't. Um, at the time, I wasn't hiring people. Like it was all just my own income. I had to worry about. I didn't have to worry about paying other people. I didn't have to worry about uh, bills. Like. I never uh, float, I almost never float my clients' costs. They all get invoiced directly uh, from suppliers. So for me, there was very little financial um, risk in that way. And so it was just my salary I had to worry about. And so, you know, then the numbers are a little easier to do, right? Because like, what is my rent and what, what keeps the lights on? And then you can go off that number, right? What's my wine budget? What's my wine budget? Yeah, exactly. Top priority. <laughs> yeah. And then at that point, like, I, I don't know, like, I'm not necessarily advocating for it. But before I quit, I just made sure I had credit cards with high limits on them just in case, right? Like that was my yes. line of credit almost, right? Like, because starting a business, it takes a long time before you can get credit. Um, which I have sort of found through time and by talking to other people. Like if you have no track record, people aren't going to give you a line of credit. Um, so s sort of semi going into it with that mindset of like my credit cards will float me for a year if I need them to. Mm -hmm. um, and then sort of preparing that way, whether that's wise or not. Um, I guess that was my backup plan in some ways, right? Mm -hmm. um, I also have a lot of restaurants because I have... Like I felt like otherwise I'm fairly employable. So if all of a sudden this all like crashed and burned really quickly, I felt like I'm still, you know, employable enough. I can just turn around and go get another job if I need to. Right. Like it wasn't that I was quitting something that I could never get back again. Yeah. I wasn't in a job or an industry that, you know, that would exclude, like I had no certifications to maintain, I, you know. So for me, there was a lot of factors, but for me, it was fairly easy to make that jump when the opportunity presented itself.
I the, love that. Yeah. So this is like this is super fascinating for me because one of my courses is called the Goodbye Nine to Five Masterclass, and it's all about like how to actually quit your day job. And this is like one of the things that I sort of teach is like having those backup plans in place because you need to yeah you do need to get at that to that point where you're like okay am I all right with relying on credit cards potentially as that backup yeah. if I don't have something else right and yeah it's yeah you have to and you have, have to know yourself because some people you can't. do yes um like fairly fairly soon into my business I, I I actually partnered um with my brother so we were business partners we were equal owners um and he definitely has much lower risk tolerance and so by that point I already had enough ongoing contracts um that he felt like it was a reasonable leap for him, but he definitely has less risk tolerance. So for him to live off credit cards, he knew himself well enough to know that that wasn't necessarily his backup plan, right? So I think it's about knowing yourself and knowing when you can tolerate that and, and yeah, being being honest with yourself. Yes, absolutely. That's one of the most important things when you're starting your own business. Yes. You just yeah. have to be super honest with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how how long ago did you actually do that? How long ago did, was it that you started your own business? It was July 1st, 2012. So okay. it'll, be a, it'll be about five years. Wow. Cameron came into it. And who was Cameron? Sorry, my brother yep. and my yep. business partner. Less than a year in. So maybe about the following May, I think it was. Uh, so like up, up until that point, I kind of was just doing things under my name. Like I wasn't incorporated. I wasn't like I, people just made their checks out to my name, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Cameron was the the formalizing factor. He had different skill sets than I did. Um, so he was the kind of person who could formalize things. So he loves process. So he figured out payroll systems, accounting systems, uh, how to pay GST, how to incorporate. Like he got all those things together that made me a real business. Got me a logo, got, we got a name, right? It wasn't just monicadirksen.com anymore. It was actually, you know. So it was really great when he came in uh, to be able to formalize that and, and sort of have a bit more legitimacy because we were getting enough contracts by then that it felt like we needed to, right? Like we were past that $30,000 GST limit. Yes. <laughs> um, and then at that point you have to actually think through what, you know, you actually have to know some accounting things and you have to <laughs> figure that out. Um, he built our website. He created like all those things that sort of just got us to that next level. Uh, so him coming in was good timing, but also just the skill sets were amazing. And yeah, so that was less than a year, almost a year in, I guess. And then he was part of it for a while and then transitioned out. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here where I am right now without that kind of a support. It was also someone I just implicitly trusted, right? So like we could have those arguments and those conversations without worrying about, I don't know, uh, some things that I might worry about with just a random partner or not yeah. a random, but it's just, you know, a sibling. Someone you don't quite know. Yeah, and a sibling, like we, we both, we know we both have equal goals because we're in this together. We know each other well enough. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just sort of perfect timing and the perfect situation that all just kind of fell into place at that point. Yeah. And and that's a big thing too, right? Like not every set of siblings will be able to go into business together. Like it really has to be that personality match. You have to yeah. be able to complement each other to do business together as Absolutely. a team. My other brother isn't even an option, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and for that yeah. reason, like it's just it's different situation. But, yeah, yeah. So getting to where you're at today, actually, I'm really curious. Do you have any employees under you now, like in five years, or is it still just you? It's fluctuated over time. Yeah. So when uh, when I started out. Um, one of the two of the contracts I had were through the same organization, uh, and I was sort of assigned an assistant. 
So at that point, Kelsey became my assistant, but wasn't paid by me. Mm -hmm. So we, we built this relationship. And then as soon as I got contracts outside of that organization, we worked so well together that I just wanted to keep her on board. Right. Yeah. And so she came on board with me, um, on sort of, um, I wouldn't say temporary or, or casual, but like as needed. So her her hours and her time and her pay has fluctuated drastically, but she has been the one person who's been with me from the beginning and still is. Um, when Cameron came on board and we started to take on more contracts, um, it just got to a point where we just needed some help with like either very specific things or the task-based things. Like we need to be able to assign people tasks just to keep up with like phoning people and, and you know, um, admin and stuff like that. So. So yeah, I've hired people sort of contract as needed, uh, which in total, I don't even know, maybe there's been about a dozen people come and go uh, in different roles. Um, but at the moment, we're back down to just me and Kelsey. So so yeah, it's fluctuated yeah. greatly. There's been, there was a summer where I think I had about five people in total for oh. a while. Um, there's some people, like I've, I've hired Sagan to do sort of some contract work to just sort of fill in some of the holes. Mm -hmm. and. Um, and different people like that. Um, but as far as people who have had the Athero email address, that might be about half a dozen. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But currently, two. Yeah. So, yeah. So how have you found that, like, over the course of five years to fluctuate so much back mm -hmm. and forth? Like, how has that been from the standpoint of managing people? Interesting. Because... Uh, I would say the majority of the time, they are either people I know um, or who have come highly recommended by people I know. And so that is that is one thing where I'm less risk tolerant in the people um, because I because both myself and Kelsey, I know I know the core like skill sets. I know the motivations, I know um, the work ethic. Uh, and it's it's hard to I find it hard to adjust, especially when they're short term contracts, right? Like how do you quickly get someone in to do because I, Honestly, I can't pay someone long term. Like it's it's all on a contract basis because I don't have that ongoing income. Um, so it is it it can be hard to trust people uh, on a short term basis. So I very much try to get people I know or who come highly recommended by people I know. Mm -hmm. um, I have a hard time because I know a lot of people have either said to me like, "Oh, I know someone who wants to get into events. Maybe she could help you out." or I get people who send their resumes to me through the website or whatever, and I have a very hard time. Well, it's your brand, making, right? Yeah, it's exactly. your brand. It's your own business on the line. So being able to trust someone that you've never met is a yeah, massive. Totally, and I, and part of it is I work with not for profits, and so there is a different language there than corporate, right? And so um, I do need someone who's sort of sensitive to that language, who knows how not for profits react to things, mm -hmm. and and. Yeah, and so there, yeah, there's a bit of sensitivity there, and and for most of my clients, I end up taking on their email addresses. I take on their identities, and so if I'm asking someone else to also do that, I need to trust that they can right. adapt to that identity quickly as well, right? Because I have about, well, currently I have probably seven or eight different email addresses um, of different clients, and so you have to be able to adapt to those languages and personalities, organizational <laughs> personalities, the whole thing, sort of instinctively really quickly right and so I need someone who who can adapt quickly not only that but you gotta be 100% on like no mistakes whatsoever yeah you know? yeah yeah and don't send the email from the wrong email <laughs> yeah well that <laughs> not that it never happens but you need someone who's sort of you know that you can trust will generally be on point yeah mm.
We'll be back with Monica in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, Sagan. Yeah, Dan? Do you like comedy? I love comedy. Then you should definitely check out the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, which is taking place April 3rd through 9th, with venues and shows all across the city. Amazing. Yeah. There's a bunch of shows at Club Region Event Center, Pantages Playhouse Theater, West End Cultural Center, and Rumors Comedy Club, just to name a few. Well, I am definitely going to be doing that, because I have been in past years, and it's always been fantastic. Great. So if you want to get your tickets, go to winnipegcomedyfestival.com. I expect that with your type of work, your day must change dramatically depending on the projects you're working on, the times of year, but do you want to sort of walk us through what a typical day is? Is there a typical day for <laughs> uh, Monica? Well, I don't know. I guess there is some, there's some rhythm to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like different, different events generally have a pretty set timeline. Like, Every event is different, but every event is the same. Um, and so, so yeah, there's some, some things that are sort of consistent. But, yeah, whether they're the same every day, no, probably not. Um, I think the first thing that people think when they hear that I do events is, like, wow, you have an exciting life uh, and an exciting job. Or the first thing people say is either that's really exciting or, wow, that's stressful. <laughs> um, so that's interesting to hear people's perceptions because I'd be in a stressful camp myself, this <laughs> right? <is> me, though, <laughs> yeah, and, and different people react differently. Um, but the thing, the thing is, like, I generally would. So, and if we're talking about the potential of an average, let's talk about maybe an average. An average event contract might be about six months, um, but in that six months, there's one event day, right? Mm -hmm. So the exciting, stressful. Yeah, maybe there's different stresses, but the exciting part is one day. And so what people don't see is the six months before that, where there's just a lot of like me sitting in a coffee shop sending emails, right? Like, um, there's just a lot of, I can, I'd say for 80% of most of my contracts, I can work from anywhere. Um, because it's, especially at this point, because I've got a lot of con contacts in place. So initially it was about meeting people and figuring out who can do what for me when I need them to and all that. Now that I know sort of my go-tos, um, I can quickly send an email and say, this is what I'm doing, I need a quote and, you know, easy. Um, but yeah, so so whether there's a, a, a typical day, uh, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of admin. There's a lot of, there's a lot of trying to find, well, sponsors. There's a lot of connecting with media. There's a lot of, um, registration systems and just RSV tracking RSVPs like I often say to people like my job's not rocket science it's not like anyone else can't just come in and do it like it's yeah. you don't need a certain accreditation right like I'm not a surgeon it's it's a lot of admin work um, so if you have a certain kind of personality and, and don't mind doing some of the stuff I'm not saying that I'm better than anyone else. I'm saying that I've got the time to do it when other people don't, right? <laughs> so if the not-for-profit doesn't have time or doesn't have the skill set in their organization, that's it's not that I'm a genius, it's that I can then do that for them because they don't have time or the specific people in place. So yeah, it's just, and, and a lot of early on, uh, there was a lot of networking involved. So a lot of me just sort of going out and being out and meeting people and getting my face sort of in the world and and meeting people who can do things for me. Like, who are my lighting guys? Who are my go-to decor people? Who are my sound guys that I just, you know, on a whim can, or 
say like next week I've got something coming up can you quickly put something together or where do I source wine from or you know things like that so early on there was a lot more of that going on mm. and not that I've, I quit that by any means but I've sort of <clears throat> finessed my list into what I'm comfortable with so a lot of a lot of alone time honestly <laughs> a lot of alone time it's 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 not as social a job as people think it is because yeah. the one day that you're so visible that's all they see right and they think that you must be out there all the time um, so there's a balance there's a balance of going out and being seen and being alone a lot do you have any tips for anyone who wants to get into kind of your line of business I don't know that's a good question I like I guess I'm just not as intentional about things <laughs> as I should be because I don't know like I, I think it's a personality thing like I think you've got to you've got to be a pretty flexible person so you've got to be able to like roll with punches and not get stressed out and the calmer you are about everything the better everything's gonna go so I think it's more of a personality thing than a skill set like I said anyone can learn these skills really quickly right I can give you three different registrations to research and registration systems to research and then you pick the, the best one for your event like it's not like it's nothing it's all out there on the internet right like yeah. even if you want to just sort of Google search how to manage volunteers like you'll you'll find it right it's not hidden information mm -hmm. it's not a specialty of any sort you know um, so I think it's more just like you have to be interested in doing it you have to be a flexible personality you have to like alone time but also being visible like it's kind of just one of those all over the place kinds of and and that's me like I always tell people I'm the most inconsistent person in the world because I hate consistency like yeah. I hate the idea of waking up and going somewhere from nine to five every day I hate the idea of doing the same thing every day I hate like I just like fluctuation mm -hmm. I like sometimes to work 80 hours a week and I like some months where I almost don't work at all. So that's probably part of it, like that that level of or that degree of flexibility is probably a huge, especially if you're going to be self-employed at all. Like if you're going to be an event planner, that's one thing, but if you're going to be a self-employed event planner, yeah, like there's, you just got to be able to roll with the punches and not stress about it too much. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know Kelsey, like during event day, one time early on. Uh, I said to Kelsey, you're just so stressed, you relax, you know, and she's like, I think I would be more relaxed if you were a little more stressed. <laughs> like, well, I am, but I'm not showing it because there too, like if you're the event planner, manager, whatever the title, director, um, people don't want to see you stressed. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like Kelsey might, but generally people don't. They want you to look like you've got it under control, right? Um, so yeah, so yeah, there's that there's that stress tolerance, there's the risk tolerance, there's the flexibility. I think those are all more important than what your actual specific skill set is yeah. in this game. It's a pretty generalist game for me. Like I do a bit of everything. It makes sense though. Yeah. You know, I think what struck me the most in doing some some projects with you as well as like event planning at Food Matters when I was working there was first of all the amount of time that I spent leading up to events on the phone with people and answering questions and emailing back and forth like I can't even imagine how many hours were just like are just spent in correspondence with people yeah or 50% of the time you just want to email back saying just google it yes <laughs> yes it's on being the website patient. Like, <laughs> please. Going, yeah. oh yes absolutely or check the website it's all right there it's, but... it's right there yeah. yeah yeah and sometimes there's, that's like your there's response there's a degree of customer service <laughs> that's in my job right yes. like that whole like managing people and expectations and, and being willing to actually respond in that sort of like lovely Playing. way <laughs> yes rather than just tearing your hair out and yelling at people <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 
But the other thing that really struck me about doing events was just how much on event day itself happens behind the scenes that people never see. And like, if you are stressing out about something, if you don't show it, people have no idea when things Mm -hmm. are going wrong or when there are things happening that you didn't expect or what have you, right? Like that's yeah, absolutely. And the more you do it, like honestly, professionally, like I said, I've only really been doing it five years. So it's not like I have this super long career to draw on it or anything. Uh, but the more you do it, the more you learn how to anticipate, right? In what situation might something happen or, but there's always stuff that'll catch you off guard. And there's always, like, it, sometimes you, you get frustrated because you think people must be so stupid. But you, like you said, it's, if you've never actually been behind the scenes, mm-hmm. how would you ever think that, right? Like, um, so it's perspective and yeah, figuring out how to like maintain that calm ship and like don't rock the boat too much because you don't want people to feel stressed at, at the event. If people don't realize how an event is run, that means it's run well. If they're starting to see how it's run and the behind the scenes and all of that, then that means that you're showing too much, right? Like you're, yes. you want them to be there and not see how it's run. You want them to be there for the event. So you want them to be there. If it's a conference, you want them to like absorb the content. You don't want them to see how you're miking people or, you know, if volunteers are not trained or like you, it's almost like the less they notice, the better it's going. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which can also be a little frustrating on the back end because you're like, nobody appreciates what I do and they don't realize how difficult that one thing they just did makes my life. Right. (laughs) Um, Like a seating plan for 1200 people, like table for 1200 more is coming up and it's, it's not just a random pop-up where you just show up and eat. Right. Like it's a, there's a seating plan for 1200 people. And so if the day before you call and you say like, oh, well, so-and-so is not going to be there. It's going to be this person instead. Instead, Well, that actually has a big ripple effect that people don't realize, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I guess they shouldn't realize because that's the point of it. But that's where the frustration comes in is that if you're on the back end of it and you just like people don't people don't appreciate what I do yeah (laughs) Yeah. but that's also where your team is important right like Kelsey and I both know like on event day if there's a if there's something that's just sort of eating at you there will be moments where we're behind the the tent and we're like she'll be like I just need a moment right now to tell you what just happened right and you just have to get it out and then move on because Mm -hmm. you can't carry it you can't whatever just get it out there have been many sort of behind the pillar conversations uh, and that's what keeps you sane, especially during the more difficult events. Um, it's having that team who gets who gets it um, and who sympathizes, but can rebound really quickly. That's been, that's been so valuable in my experience. Can you explain what uh, Table for 1200 is just yeah. for those who may not know? Table for 1200 more. More, sorry. My apologies. It's evolved over time, so not everyone keeps up with our name changes. But Table for 1200 More is a pop-up dinner for 1,200 people that started in the design community in Winnipeg. So it's it's a fundraiser for an organization called Storefront Manitoba who promotes design conversations in Winnipeg. Uh, It's their only fundraiser. And so uh, basically we have 150 tables of eight people lined, connected, lined up in a row or in a circle or whatever the, the setup is. People don't know the location until the day of the event. Um, and basically we feed them and we ask everyone to dress in white. Uh, so it's a very beautiful event. It's definitely, you can tell it comes from the design world because it's just a very attractive event. Um, each table has a captain and they're responsible for the decor of the table. 
Um, so you have 150 different designs uh, happening. And then there's, there is some design competition elements where you can, if you really want to put on a splash, you can be uh, eligible for some prize money. Uh, but basically it's just a really great community event that people get excited about and it's in totally unconventional locations um, <clears throat> for example the first year was on the bridge at the forks um, this we've had it around the ledge like the south um, fountain of the legislature grounds so yeah it's, it's these non-event locations that we create an event and it's it's essentially to draw attention to winnipeg so it's to show people what potential there is how to see things differently um, and how to engage in conversation. Um, and, and that's some of the most exciting things I've heard from that event are when I run into people who said, like the other day I talked to Susan Boysnow and she's like, me and my husband the first year came and she's like, there was a little mix up with the seating. And so she said, you put me at your table because I had two empty seats and I wasn't sitting because I was running. Um, and so I don't even remember this happening. It's believable, I totally believe <laughs> Um So I sat them there uh, and sometimes I leave extra seats at my table just in case because 1,200 people is a lot to fit in. So I, I leave a couple of empty ones just so I can slot them in the day of. But So she's like, we just sat at this random table with all your friends. And she's like, I made the most amazing connections. And she's like, I'm friends with on Facebook with Darlene Meisner now. And I'm like, that's amazing because you two would never otherwise meet, right? Um, and she's like, yeah. And then the next year we like made arrangements with some people to like meet up again in the next year. So I've heard that a number of That's times neat. now where people are like nice. annually they meet up with these friends that they made because they were just randomly seated at a table. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the point of it. Like that's just like get people excited about being out and being in Winnipeg and meeting Winnipeggers. And it's, we've been so lucky every single year. It has been amazing weather. Uh, and at the end of May, beginning of June, that's not necessarily always the case, mm -hmm. uh, but we've been very lucky and it's just been such an enjoyable event it's it's definitely one of my favorites it's the most flashy one i do for sure <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's been a ton of fun i i love it it's it's one yeah. of my favorite events that happens here in winnipeg and um i mean the food is delicious and it is oh, just yeah. beautiful like to walk up and down and see all the different decor on the tables but last year i actually our table ended up being seated right next to um a couple of of local people who i happened to follow on instagram but we had never met in real life right so dana tanaka a local photographer and um monique who is style hunter fox on instagram she's a she's a personal stylist and it was so cool to actually be able to meet them in person and I'm still connected with them. Like yeah. Dano and I go for coffee. Like we're yeah. we're friends. Like it's it's really nice to be able to make these connections that you might not have ever had the opportunity to do. Yeah. And because it's a dinner, you actually sit down and talk, right? Like yes. you can run into people at, at parties or at networking events or whatever, and you you have these brief conversations. But if you're sitting down for a couple of hours near someone, you'll get into bigger conversations, and and maybe mm -hmm. not serious, but you'll get to know each other enough that you'll you know you'll recognize their face if you run into them yes. again. You'll have something to talk about. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just the most fabulous concept. Mm -hmm. And people can potentially get tickets at this? Can yeah. get tickets right now? Yeah, <laughs> tables are now on sale. So full tables of eight seats uh, are now available online. Um, and then individual tickets will go up for sale a little, little bit later. So, so yeah, anybody can sort of get on board right now. This year the event is June 3rd. So... Fantastic. And what's the website? Sorry? What's the website? Uh, Tableforthundredmore.ca or storefrontmb.ca. And they can buy tickets there. Yeah. Okay. So what's next for your business? The transition into back into one person from a partnership has been difficult for me. Um, 
personally, but also because the event w or because the business was so structured around the two skill sets. Um, so it's it's now been two years since he's been a partner, um, but I feel like only now I'm starting to figure out what it looks, what my business now looks like. Uh, we used to do uh, both event and association management, so it's been a bit of a transition getting rid of the association management clients uh, and not getting rid of, but like transitioning out of that because mm -hmm. I can no longer do both. Um, so it's been a bit, that took a bit of time to sort of just transition out of that. Um, and then it took me a bit of time to figure out like what can I do alone um, or with the new combination of skills uh, with people around me. Uh, but I, so I feel like it's it's been a long, difficult transition, but it feels like now I'm sort of ready to go to the next uh, next level. And, and it's definitely a lot more focused. It's a lot more, um, I, I do logistics really well. And so I need to now focus on that. I used to do a lot more generalist. So I would offer a bit of everything to everybody and it worked. Um, but now I've sort of figured out what I love doing and what I'm great at. And that's not necessarily the sales side of things. So not necessarily sponsorship as much uh, or the marketing side of things as much. Um, I don't mind supporting those activities with clients, uh, but now I know how to pick the clients that don't necessarily need a strength in that. They just need support or fulfillment, like sponsorship fulfillment. They need someone to make sure that the sponsors get what they've been promised, not necessarily the sales side of it. So now that, I, now that I've sort of zeroed in on what I love doing, what I wanna do, um, it's actually getting really exciting for me because I, the projects I'm working on now are, for the, for the most part, they are that. So Table for 1200, it's a, it's a massively logistical <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> um, but so much fun. Like for me, the excitement comes in figuring out how that's all going to work minute by minute of that event day. What, how is it going to play out? How can I make it better every year? Um, so that's really fun. Um, I just signed a contract for Nuit Blanche and I saw that on the website that's yeah. so exciting so I'm really excited about that so that will just be starting up and there too that's a very specific contract where they need someone to manage the open calls so they they fund and and directly support uh, I guess about 15 to 20 events the rest are sort of organic and they happen on their own but these are the ones that are programmed by Nuit Blanche and so someone to manage the open calls, sending out the open calls, managing the jury, um, and then making sure that those chosen events are supported in logistics. So making sure they have the proper permits, making sure that they know how to set up, where their location is gonna be, um, and those kinds of things. So that's heavily logistics too. And there too, no sponsorship requirement um, and, and very little marketing. And even though all of that, like I, I support all of that, none of that is my sole responsibility. So I find that very exciting. Um, another, I'm working on a conference in May um, there too. It's, it's a national conference and it's, they need someone to sort of make sure all the offsite workshops are happening, getting people to and from uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot more of a focused um, contract that I'm looking for now and, and, it's, and it does make things clearer and easier because when I go into meetings with potential clients, um, the conversations can be a lot more directed. Mm -hmm. So I've had some meetings where I've, I've gone in and they've sort of said like, we don't really know what's uh, services are available. We don't really know what you do or what you want to do. And I can then direct those conversations much better rather than saying like, hey, what do you need? I can do it all. I can say to them, like, I need to work with a board who has a lot of connections who can do the sponsorship side of things so that I can support it and not lead it. Um, and so then, then I know which clients are a best fit sort of early on mm -hmm. because they can answer those questions right up front. If they could say like, no, we've never done sponsorship, maybe then it's I'm not the right person 
mm-hmm. to come into that, right? Um, so I think for me that's exciting and it's also a little bit of a relief because I can go into things knowing, having a better sense that, of knowing I'll be successful because I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing and what I'm great at. Um, and I feel like that spills over into client confidence too. Like, nice. um, yeah, so I'm really sort of excited about what's next. It's going to start looking different, uh, but maybe not necessarily to the outside eye, just mm-hmm. to me. Um, so yeah, what's next? I don't know, more exciting, fun events. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The mission statement. The mission statement. Let's have fun. <laughs> I, do, I do love my job. I do have a lot of fun. Um, it doesn't feel like I should make a living doing this because it's just, it's, it is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a bit of a process up and down, and and here we are today. So nice. yeah, I think I'm stuck in it because I can't imagine doing anything else. <laughs> like now, if I start to think like, okay, well, maybe I should get a steady salary again. You know, like every once in a while, your brain goes there because mm-hmm. you have to pay a bill or something, and mm-hmm. and I just think to myself like, what would that be? Like I can't even imagine doing events as a, an employee. Right. Like yeah. I think I would just get so frustrated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I always think like maybe I'm stuck in this now, but it's not the worst thing to be stuck in for sure as long as you're having fun with it yeah yeah and i love that like it's so important to be able to have found something that you're just like i can't believe that i get paid to do this Mm -hmm. that's the best feeling in the world yep and you know like i'm like inconsistency i talked about earlier i i'm also huge about enjoying life so like i will never be a millionaire because i don't want to work that hard (laughs) yeah right like i don't want to work 80 hours a week every week of the year and so this is something where i can manage how much i work and what i do um, and so I get to take time off and I get to like, when I f- don't feel well, I don't have to do as much. So it's, yeah, it's just the perfect situation for me. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you should mention that because I wrote a blog post not too long ago that was talking about being a solopreneur and like, ha- like how can you further your business when you don't have a team and just talking about how like, it's really important to realize that, you know, there are so many like I feel like this is this is part of the reason why I want to start this podcast is because there's so many different podcasts and blogs and business owners out there talking about you know how to be how to make six figures and yeah. like how right and yeah, yeah and that's great but not all of us want to do that nope. some of us just want to do what we love and be able to make enough to you know pay the bills and be able to like take a month off here and there or whatever yeah. and I think that that's such an important thing to be able to really look at it and see like okay how can we grow our businesses without having a team or without having a bunch of overhead costs or without trying to yeah become a millionaire and Mm -hmm. all of that absolutely because Mm -hmm. that is what we've been told and that's what we've been sold and and coming from my like I have a commerce degree so like I was indoctrinated early about like the whole finance like Wall Street right Mm -hmm. like that's the goal if you have a commerce degree Um, so yeah it's it's about like actually again it goes back to where we started being honest with yourself what do you want? Like, yes, I want a million dollars, but I don't want what it takes to get there. So I'm not going to have it. Right. Yeah. So then what do I actually honestly want for my life? Uh, and the older I get, the more I just am like, I don't care what everyone else does. This is what I want to do. Yeah. This is, I want to be able to host wine nights whenever I want. <laughs> right. Like I don't want to be stuck in the office till 10 o'clock at night if I don't want to. Yes. So yes. yeah, I don't know. Honesty. I love that. <laughs> Okay, so if people want to learn more about Ethereo, about your mm-hmm. business, where can they learn about you and your business? Um, the website's being restructured, but obviously I have to send them there. Ethero.ca. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's just not quite up to date. We're working on it. Um, so yeah, Ethero.ca has sort of all, a lot of our past events are listed there. 
upcoming events. If you're curious about more details, they have links to what we're working on now. Um, yeah, and out and about. Like, if you want to know more about my business, just come hanging out with me and drink wine. Because... <laughs> That's the best way to find out about anything, right? Straight to the source. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm honest, again, I'm honest and open. Like, there's, very, I have very little secrets. If people really want to know about the reality of day-to-day, -day, I have no problem sharing the gruesome details. Right? Awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being on. Yeah. It was uh, great for the first episode. So uh, thank you for being so candid. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Candid Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and a share with your friends and coworkers. Visit candidpodcast.ca to learn more about this podcast, to access some of our favorite free resources for your business, and to submit any questions you would love for us to answer in our next episode. This episode is sponsored by the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, which is taking place April 3rd to 9th, 2017, here in Winnipeg. Get your tickets at winnipegcomedyfestival.com. Outro take two. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Candid Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and a share with your friends and coworkers. <laughs> or don't. You know what? Doesn't matter. You can do it or don't do it. We'll love you either way. Okay. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> it was good. It was good. <laughs>